Welcome to 8 with 8, a podcast from Ohio State Support Team 8, where we share what's on our minds and what's in the research from the field of education. Hey everyone, it's Janine Sansosti, Director of SST8. You usually just hear me at the beginning and ending of the episode, but today I'm also playing the part of a co-host, along with a new special education consultant at SST8, Rachel Undercoffer. Welcome to 8 with 8, Rachel. This is your inaugural episode. Thank you, Janine. I'm looking forward to our discussion today as it's a great topic with some excellent, insightful speakers. You are so right. Well, as we wrap up season four, we've spent the last seven weeks shifting our thinking about so many important considerations for supporting students with disabilities. We've talked about our mindsets, curriculum, assessment, family engagement, and so much more. But there's an overarching theme that we haven't really touched on yet, and that's the topic of equity in education. And the word equity has become a bit of a buzzword lately, but what do we really mean by equity? Does it mean that everyone gets the same thing? Does it mean we're lowering our standards? And what does it even have to do with special education? You're absolutely right. Equity has been a word I've been seeing just about everywhere lately, not just in education, but across business, health, and other fields, as well as society at large. So today on 8 with 8, we are talking about equity with two of our colleagues at the Ohio Department of Education. In just the last few weeks, our team at SST8 has heard some really thought-provoking ways to think about and apply equity in our work, and we're excited to share them with you today. Hi, Joe and Johanna. Welcome to 8 with 8. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be with you today. This is going to be epic. Joe, I'm sure that the region is very excited to hear your voice. This is a familiar voice. Um, For those who may not know you in your new role, and Johanna, can you just tell us uh, just quickly what your roles are at the Ohio Department of Education? Oh, certainly. Uh, I'm Johanna Ward, and I serve as the director for the Office for Exceptional Children at the Department of Education. And Joe, what do you do? I'm the associate director in the Office for Exceptional Children at the Ohio Department of Education and happy to be here and happy to be back home. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for joining me and Rachel today in this conversation. Um, We have been talking so much about equity in pretty much every meeting, every training, uh, every opportunity, it seems to be coming up lately. And we know that equity is a really important guiding principle for the Department of Education. And it shows up very prominently in Each Child, Our Future, the state strategic plan, and in Each Child Means Each Child, which is why we wanted you to join us today to just dive into this topic a little bit more. Thanks for having us, Janine. When Joe and I um, shared today, we are going to be sharing from, from the lens of our office. So the Office for Exceptional Children supports special education and, and gifted education in the state of Ohio. So we're going to speak from that lens today. Which is perfect. This is actually the last episode in a season that has been all around um, sort of the whole reset, restart um, concept for special education, viewing the beginning of a new school year still on the heels of the pandemic, refreshing our thinking and our approaches um, to special education in general. So I love that this focus on equity is going to be nested within the needs of exceptional students. We do too. We have spent so much time talking about equity for not only our students with disabilities, but also our gifted students over the past really two years. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. 
in August uh, at the State Support Team Institute, we heard a lot of different presentations and a lot of great information uh, presented to us about recent Ohio data and information. Um, we saw some information from Each Child Means Each Child, Each Child Our Future, and a lot of it was related to equity, students with disabilities, graduation rates, and just really overall educational outcomes for all students. And so what are some data points or findings that have really caught your attention or something that you feel you really wanted to share with us today? Um, something that maybe has been popping up more recently for you. So I'd love to hear from both you, Joe, and Johanna, kind of what struck you with some of that information that was presented at the Institute. One of the pieces that really, one of the pieces of data that I've been studying um, has really been our graduation rate. So what I mean by that is just not your, your basic graduation rate, but the graduation rate of our students with disabilities who are graduating by meeting the same requirements as their non-disabled peers, right? And our data there is showing that we're at about, for the state, at about 21% of our students with disabilities graduating by the same means as, as their non-disabled peers. That befuddles me, like quite, quite frankly. I'm not, I'm not sure why that is the case because when we really dig into our data and we think about, we look at um, disability categories and we look at some proficiency rates and we can look at um, where, where kids are with English language arts and math and some other things, you know, we, we see that there's a propensity there to do better and that we know that they can do better, but why is it that we're not seeing the end result better, right? So that, that's really concerning. And, and we're really digging in deep to that. You wanna add, Joe? We are a data-rich state. And we have so much data to think about and to analyze and talk about. And the graduation rates are concerning. Also, just the rate of disability identification in our state is something that we need to further explore. Are we over-identifying? And who, conversely then, who are we under-identifying? And so we are just now starting to touch on lots of those issues and having those discussions and helping our districts understand, the, especially in light of the pandemic. And I, I think of those questions on the final page of the ETR that says, has there been a lack of reading and adequate reading and math instruction? And I think that's going to knock a lot of kids out of the special ed vote, but reflecting back with our districts, what are you going to do about it? Because we have a lot of our students in Ohio that need caught up. They need further exposure and they need further experience. And so looking at all of those data points and knowing where to look and how to interpret that data and what it might mean for us as a state, then for us as a region, and then for our individual districts and what they can do about it is really the impetus of where our change needs to, needs to be. Well, you both bring up some really great points there. And I was just gonna share that Janine and I were actually just talking with a whole bunch of special education directors and psychologists and 
having our special education forum. And we talked a little bit and shared the OSAP fast facts that talked a little bit about graduation rates and identification um, categories and things like that with Ohio compared to some of the national um, information. And so um, that's something that we shared just with our region a little bit and talk, started to kind of plant the seed a little bit for them to start thinking about their own data and their districts. And especially, we also talked about the pandemic and, you know, is there going to be an over-identification? And you really need to be very careful, you know, going forward with the evaluation process because is trauma a disability? Have we, we've all been through trauma this year with the pandemic. And so, you know, we need to think about when we go towards that process of, are we suspecting a disability? What are those rule out factors that we have to think about? And have our students been having equitable access to interventions and, and tier one instruction and all of those things. And we also shared information on graduation rates, which was really surprising to some people. Um, so all that information that you just shared is something that we've really been honing in on recently with our, with our region um, to really help support everybody when getting some of these conversations starting and to get moved forward a little bit more towards equity and having that discussion. You know, that's something that I've always admired about SSTA is that regional perspective. And, you know, I remember sitting in meetings when I was director there and the, the SST going through all of other regions' data and comparison, compare, comp, what's the right way to say that? Comparing that data <laughs> within the region, but also the state as a way to change practice and as a way to um, continue those practices in a, from a district level that were successful. Well, I, certainly, Joe, as director of Region 8, I really appreciate that feedback. I also just appreciate that you weren't bored to tears doing, during our database presentations, but I know you can nerd out on that stuff as well as the rest of us. But, you know, it's interesting as I hear us talking, you know, we started this conversation talking about equity, this word that's kind of a buzzword right now. And then we're getting into data points that I do think we, we need to challenge and, and wrestle and move forward with these things. But these are more familiar you know, things that we've talked about in terms of how do we raise graduation rates and how do we think about what is a genuine disability and, and when we identify it and why and why not. Um, but as you were talking, I was thinking about this term equity that we keep coming back to and how, um, again, you know, Rachel referenced um, the, the institute that we had at the beginning of the year, and we talked about how do we define equity. And, and right now I hear us talking about outcomes, which are really great, but we had kind of a broader definition of equity that was shared with us that was really empowering about kind of different ways of thinking about it being, you know, a mindset and, and all these different ways. So I'm curious from your both, you know, your perspectives at ODE, how should we be thinking about equity? What is equity? When we're thinking about special education and serving students with disabilities, what really are we talking about here and how can it serve us? So equity is an outcome. We reach it when gaps are gone and each child reaches at least proficiency. That's a way to look at that. It's also an approach the deliberate actions that we take to address the needs of each child and help them to reach success. Johanna, what would you add to those? Yes, my, my most favorite thing to talk about is 
that habit of practice piece that you, you know, you heard Paulo talk about at the Institute. And then for, for our office and for our effort, if you looked at each child means each child, which was our plan to activate and bring each child, our future, you know, to life. Um, we really want people to hone in on those guiding principles. Those are the habits of practice. Those are the influence areas and the changes that need to be made across the whole system so that we have systems change, which provides for equity to happen once we have those system change. And, and that does take, not only is there an approach, so you have to you know do something different and there's a belief system, but there have to be those practices that then change the whole system structure. So, you know, we really talk about that. We talk about what is the collective responsibility for all of us involved in the educational cascade to adjust that system, right? And to own the outcomes and the own the, the approaches and to own those practices for all our students. How do we do that together? So that's huge. That's, that's what we wanna talk about. That's what we wanna see happen across the state. That's huge. That's Matt, the work of a lifetime. That's the work of a career. Sorry, Joe, go ahead. No, that's how we get to equity. And, yes. you know, and we we touched on it without necessarily saying it. It's that philosophical change that we're asking everybody to take in regards to our students with disabilities, to have those high expectations, to believe that all children can learn. And it's not that far of a stretch when you think about the average cognitive ability in our state for our students with disabilities is above 80%. In some districts, it's 95%. Some districts, it's 90 But we know on average, the majority of our students who have an IEP have the same cognitive skills as, the majority, as their non-disabled peers. Right. Yeah, we're not achieving. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I remember Paolo saying, and so many people wrote down, there is no cognitive condition that explains this about some of the discrepancies. And yes. he was also doing a deeper dive into um, differences in um, from racial and ethnic subgroups within students with disabilities as well, but that the, the cognitive you know, variability that we see in IQ does not fully explain, like Johanna was saying, the graduation outcomes or even the eligibility rates. Um, so there's got to be some other things going on. So I appreciate you unpacking that a little bit more. And I'm glad you referenced each child means each child because we have more questions about that, don't we, Rachel? Before you go into that, before you go into that question about each, let me just add to that really quickly here that um, because I think sometimes we say the word everybody and that and that gets lost, right? Because then I can, as a person, sit back and think, well, everybody's got this, so I don't need to get it, right? Everybody else is handling it. But everybody's not doing it if if nobody's doing it, yeah. right? So, so that's a gen ed teacher. Those are our leaders. Um, those are our support staff. Those are our intervention specialists. That includes our families and our parents. That includes the students. That includes community members. Because one, one of the biggest pieces is everybody is everybody. I mean, our schools don't exist in a vacuum away from the community they're 
part of the community, right? And our schools are made of humans that are part of the community. So, so all of those pieces have to nurture and sustain and support each other. And so we want to see that happen across all those spectrums, or I would say like the, the cascade. I love it. Let's talk about each child means each child. Let's do it. I can tell Rachel has some questions she wants to ask. I do. I do. So I have to say, first of all, I love that each child means each child document. Being new to SST, I was really doing a deep dive into a lot of the strategic plan and these documents and really just helping myself better understand them. And I, I have to say, I promote it just about everywhere I go. Anytime I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, you have to read this document. So you guys have done a fabulous job putting it together and um, really getting that out to people. And I think educators, when they read it, have really been supportive of having that document to help guide them a little bit and giving them some, you know, some eye-opening information and then also giving them some guiding principles to help them give some ideas of what they can do to kind of move forward in some of these areas with their students. And so I also have heard from many, many people that people really connected with the information included, especially the two students that were featured in Each Child Means Each Child. Like those stories, those case studies, those little vignettes that kind of pop up throughout Each Child Means Each Child, people really connected with Ben and Sophia's stories. And so um, could you just tell us a little bit about how that came about and what was the goal behind the inclusion of those two differing scenarios in that document? Well, I, I can take this one. So our first iteration of Each Child Means Each Child, we sat down with Paolo, our state superintendent. And, you know, he's the only state superintendent I've worked with this closely. So I just thought it was normal um, to work this closely with the state superintendent, not realizing that it's not. He really promoted this. And the first iteration of this, he was like, you know, this is okay. It's kind of cold. It doesn't grab me. He's like, I want this to touch the heart. And so the, the story arc was actually his idea. And he said it in typic, typical Palo fashion. Why don't you think about putting in a story arc? And I'm like, oh, fine. It's just going to be lame. Nobody's going to like it. And Rachel, just like what you said, that's the part that everybody talks to me first about. And so the, the story arc comes from stories in real life. We know, like from Ben, we know that there are districts that um, are like that. We have them in the state. And we also know that there are um, buildings and districts like Sophia's experience. And it's not because people intentionally set out to do things incorrectly. It's sometimes this is just the way they are, the way that that practice has always been, and they haven't moved with, with the times. It's, it's, but we can change that. Like I want everybody's story, all of our students' stories, I want to be Ben's. And it, you know, I'm just, I just was surprised. I liked writing them, to be honest with you, but I was just surprised that those are the first things that resonate with people. Well, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, you know, having heard Paulo speak, you know, he seems very passionate about everything that he does. 
and him wanting this document to really connect with people, um, you know, not just be data driven and, you know, some strategies and guiding principles, but the fact that he wanted people to be able to connect with it on a deeper personal level. And I, as a school psychologist, you know, those stories, I've seen those stories happen. So yeah. they're very true across different districts, you know, what may occur as you go through the process um, of special education. So kind of as a little bit of a follow-up question, how do expectations play a role in these stories and in what we are seeing play out in Ohio schools today? Well, I, I think that the expectations in those stories are true for many of our students. You know, the expectation that, geez, no, you have an IEP in high school, you can't take an advanced class, that's not for you, or really, you really shouldn't consider college. You're just not college material. And having, you know, changing that, that philosophical change that we're asking people to change their belief system that, you know, let kids guide them to where they need to go. And that's, isn't that the whole purpose of a trans, uh, secondary transition plan? Let the students decide and help guide them in that decision as to where they want to go with their lives instead of slotting them to a course of, you know what, you have an IEP, you can only go to um, a joint vocational school. That's it. Or, yeah, you have an IEP, but you really shouldn't consider going to a university. So it's, it's, those are out there. Like I've had to intervene when I was a director, I had to intervene with teams when they began down that road. Yeah, and something that, I mean, you bring up a great point of changing the belief systems and making sure that our students have as many opportunities as possible, no matter, you know, what their strengths or challenges may be. And again, I think that kind of gets back to our overarching theme of equity, equity and, you know, equitable access to things and equitable opportunities for all students and for everybody involved. So, um, does, that, yes. I mean, that kind of leads me into my next question, Janine, um, that I know you're going to talk a little bit about, um, just with regards to changing the belief systems. Um, Janine, what are your thoughts on some of that? And what would you like to hear from Johanna and Joe? Well, I'm thinking about something that Johanna had had said earlier in those guiding principles. And one of those guiding principles um, to me sort of stems right off of that, which is, and I'm just gonna read it straight from each child means each child. It's the actions, commitment and collaboration among educators and other adults in the life of a student with disabilities is the most impactful contribution to success. So what we as adults in the system do is more likely to, dictate the trajectory for that student than whatever conditions or circumstances they come to us with. And that's so empowering, but also there's so much we could do. Um, and so I love this idea of shifting our mindsets, um, but we also know that sometimes we got to change behavior before we see the mindset come along. There are certain things, certain practices or um, systems that we need to put in place. And then over time, some of those beliefs start to change. So I guess my question to both Joe and Johanna would be, what are some of those action-based priorities that the department is looking to see us start moving toward so that we can change our mindset, so that we can change outcomes for students with disabilities? 
Well, I think in our each child means each child like that, those are, um, those questions are some of the things that came to fruition through all our work groups and our stakeholder meetings and our conversations and our research and our, and our studying here to, to, to get to this point, right? There, there, there's three big ideas that, that came to life. So really understanding um, how a multi-tiered system of supports works, right? Like an integrated approach works. And it, it's not a stepping stone tool process to get to special education, but it's how the education system in a whole should operate in order to meet the needs of all students, right? So any of them, all of them can succeed. So setting some of those things in place, I think, are the action items, right? And let's move beyond the belief that these are your kids. Joe, you got some kids. You're responsible for them. Rachel, you have some. Janine, you have some. And that's it. And you, you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah. We got to move beyond that thought process and get into that collective responsibility that we all create the system. So collectively, together, the four of us, our behavior in our school and how we respond and react to students is important, right? So in my classroom, how I reward, respond, encourage, motivate, and believe in my students should be similar approach to, to yours as well. And, and you know what that gets back to, Joanna? That gets back to what our surveys show from our students, which is relationships matter. Relationships between the adults and our students matter. All kids are going to learn better when they have a positive relationship formed with the teacher, when the teacher is nurturing, empathetic, and understanding. They once had a discussion with a teacher who refused to allow a child to participate in an activity because he didn't bring a pencil to class. Jeez. And if he wanted a pencil, he had to give him his shoe. I'm like, why do you want some 13-year-old stinky shoe? She's like, so I get my pencil back. We have millions of pencils in districts. Right. If you get a pencil, I'll go buy you one. But, it, you know, it goes back to them, that forming of that positive relationship. And especially students with disabilities are going to learn better when they feel that the teacher understands. Understands their particular learning needs. Understands them as an individual and forms those positive bonding relationships that can impact that child throughout his or her educational career and beyond. Yes. And our and our students are astute, right? So they're not only yeah. um, asking for that relationship with a teacher, but they uh, appreciate seeing the relationship amongst their teachers, right? Like I feel safe as a student knowing my teachers are working together, collaborating together, talking in an effort to support me. And that's going to be my view as a student. I'm going to see that as like, look what you all are doing together. And I feel safe here. What that's is the great other piece point. of, yeah, that's the other piece of good relationship building, isn't it? Creating almost like, you know, we do this with adults and community of practices. That can be replicated in a classroom, in that safe environment where students are 
free to express themselves, free to learn in the way that they learn best, with then me as the educator, free to teach them in the way that they learn best. Yeah, you know, that as I was listening to, to you guys speak about that and Johanna in particular, it was making me think about, you know, we were just saying, we don't want to take a divide and conquer approach. These are my kids. These are your kids. I'm responsible for this content. You're responsible for the intervention and never the two shall meet. But to think about from the perspective of the student in that kind of environment where you are the baton that is being passed, kids feel that kids are perceptive and they feel that. And that in and of itself is going to impact their success. Instead of like you were saying, Joe, this organic thriving environment where everybody's kind of working together and everybody feels safe. And um, I just want to thank you too. I don't know whether you realize this, but you're actually bringing up themes from some of our previous podcasts. So well done. Uh, We actually... Sure, we listen to them all. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Every Friday at 8 a.m., you're you're yeah. you're there. Um, but yeah, we started off this season talking about collective responsibility and how do you cultivate that, and and even thinking about you know the building principles role in that of establishing a, a vision and a way of being in the building that everyone can kind of align to, and how do we we support that and and you know create a thriving environment around that. And we spent a whole season talking about building up relationships because relationships are so important that. It, throughout every part of the cascade, just like Johanna was saying, the, the relationships and the way people connect with each other are so critical. So um, so I'm glad to hear that the way we're think, thinking about things is in alignment with, with ODE. So um, I think we have one more question uh, before we wrap up today. Yeah. So um, going into kind of our final question here, you talked a little bit about just the research that's been done at ODE and OEC and the work groups that you have and all of these different stakeholders that are involved in trying to, you know, help improve things and get us supports and get district supports and to lead us to those better outcomes for students. What can we expect coming from ODE in the near future to really help support us in this mission as we work with districts, as we work with uh, building leaders, district leaders, to really help move us forward and get our students to where they need to be? What can we expect from coming out from the state? Well, you know, for one, we're going to really be focused in on our effort to have a multi-tiered system of support ourselves so that, you know, we're not just a bureaucratic regulatory agency submitting a checklist and forms and and et cetera. That, but we are in that space where we can um, partner partner with you at certain times and intensities based on uh, willingness to you know partner with us so that we can learn and grow together. We will have lots of resources, supports, tools, things coming out of the department and the department more than ever is working collaboratively across offices. So you should see more cross office coordination coming out. Um, but, but, you know, for us in our office, thinking about, you know, the data that we started at the top of this podcast and, and kind of, you know, what can we expect coming out of our office is a, a shift in our effort to really hone in and focus on what supports we can provide and be engaged in in partnership effort with districts around is that graduation piece and dropout for that matter. Like what is going to happen in that space? 
So we have a responsibility to the U.S. Department of Education and our Office of Special Education Programs to develop a state systemic improvement plan once every five years. Just as districts have a responsibility to provide a district plan, right? We have the same responsibility. So our plan is going to hone in and focus on um, while we have to talk about all our indicators and all our data points, we're going to really hone in and focus on our graduation and dropout. We're going to kind of get into that and talk about and look at what strategies, practices, action items, resources, tools that we have available to engage with you all. No, that's great to hear, Johanna, especially, you know, the cross collaboration among departments, which I know sometimes there's so many people involved in so many departments. I think a lot of people will be happy to hear about that, um, more of that alignment and that work together collectively. And then, of course, the MTSS piece, everybody's been asking about repeatedly, you know, they really want to know more from the state of how that's going to look. Um, and that being one of my areas, I'm really excited to hear more about in the future. And like you said, we've got students who are making growth, they're making progress. We're seeing that in some of the scores, but then what's happening as they get towards the end of their education, you know, what barriers are coming up to where they're not graduating, you know, with this meeting the same, um, outcomes of their peers or they're dropping out of school early, you know, what's happening at that critical point and what can we do to kind of get in there and proactively, you know, um, intervene a little bit so that we improve that, that graduation rate and decrease that dropout rate. So I was really happy to hear some of that from you. So thank you. Yeah. And that's one of our mind shift pieces. I think we have to make, right? Like that has to be first and foremost in all our educators' minds is that, we want to help all our students be able to graduate by meeting the same requirements every equally across the state, right? That's first. Like, how are we going to get you there? And that's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take time. It's going to take compassion and effort and communication and collaboration and, you know, everything you can think of, but, but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> like, that effort is worth it. So, uh, you know, I, we can do it. Because I, we've seen it. We've seen those successful outcomes. We've seen that happen. And we want to get more of that. I think we can make that happen. It's worth it for our kids. It's also worth it for our society when you think of it on a, on a bigger level. And, you know, the other piece that you're going to see coming out as well is a um, renewed focus on the role of our related service personnel and what role they play in student achievement and assisting in things like graduation rates and school psychologists, speech language pathologists, OTs and PTs play a critical role in that. That's been a group that I think has been underutilized um, in many areas. Yeah. And we're the related service personnel, um, educational associations that we'll be partnering with, and then other state agencies that also have regional supports and supports for students and moving into adulthood and transition. We'll see more of that. Yeah. And we already have started that with um, opportunities for Ohioans with disabilities. We meet um, minimum monthly, but I think it's every other week as we begin looking at um, strategizing towards uh, our post-secondary transition outcomes. 
That is so exciting. There are so many things that are kind of um, in the hopper right now, some a little closer to fruition, some a little bit longer term. Um, I think the related services folks are going to be really excited to hear that because I think a lot of people, I don't know that they're necessarily dissatisfied, but I think kind of like itching to get more involved and to help make some of these these big changes and to, to have that bigger role. So those are really exciting avenues. So, well, thank you. And thank you both, Joe and Johanna, for joining us today, just in general um, on 8 with 8. We're super happy that we were able to have this conversation with you. And we appreciate you sharing not only kind of the big picture thinking around equity and what it means and how you're thinking about it for students with disabilities, students who are um, gifted or twice exceptional, but just your enthusiasm and passion and commitment to this work in general. Um, we would not be moving forward at the, the rate that we are if we didn't have this kind of leadership. And we're really grateful to have that. So thank you for everything that you do. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Janine. That was very nice. Um, we appreciate you as well. Like all our regional service providers, our state support teams, we can't do this without you. It, it takes all of us, right? All of us to make it happen. So thank you for your efforts in your region. We're on the ground getting it done for you. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, the excitement and the passion from our SSTs and our regional systems are so, of support that inspires us as well. And you know what, as a state, we're gonna move forward. It's it's gonna be great. And you've heard me say this before, it's a good time to be a student in Ohio. It's really a good time to be a student with a disability in Ohio. The future is bright for our kids and we're moving forward and people are getting on board. That is the best part as well. I can't think of a better note to end it on than that. So we will end it right there. Awesome. And that's it for our season four finale of Eight with Eight. Thanks as always for joining us. We hope that this season and this episode in particular gave you some new ways to think about the incredibly complex and important work that we do as educators to meet the needs of each and every student, including students with disabilities whether coming back from a pandemic, coming back from the summer, or even just coming back from a long weekend, it's always a good time to reset and restart with fresh thinking, new resources, and hope for the future. 8 Will 8 will be taking another short hiatus to develop and prepare for our next season of the podcast. We have some great ideas that we're cooking up, but in the meantime, do you have something you'd love to hear on 8 with 8 or a special guest that you'd like to hear from? If so, let us know. We are on Twitter at, at OhioSST8, or you can email us at podcast at SST8.org. Until then, stay well and take care.